Falling for You Written by Tony Owl 95 Read by Literarian Chapter 3 Plummet As soon as they'd arrived at the hotel after their evening at the British Library, Crowley had pressed Aziraphale back against the wall and kissed him soundly. It had been a good kiss, demanding and rough. It had fed Aziraphale like nothing had for a long time. He'd truly felt desired. The first time having full sex with a client was always exciting, though. Novelty was the best seasoning. Aziraphale had learned that the first month as the new dancing boy at Tracy's. He'd been glad of her expertise when that initial thrill and consequent spike of interest had tailed off, and he'd had to actually put effort into his marketing strategy. It was the second time she'd saved him. It wouldn't be the last. Tracy wasn't trying to save him now, but the look in her eye as she pushed his Bloody Mary over the bar suggested he very much needed it. That good, was he, love? she asked. The club was empty, the house lights up, making the mirrors and stage sparkle, leaving no dark corners or booths hidden. All the club's secrets were laid bare, much like Aziraphale's emotions under Tracy's gaze. Very good, Aziraphale admitted. Not just the sex, either, because I know how to make that good. He's just very easy to talk to. Aziraphale tapped his nails on the bar top. Remember when you made me write down everything I wanted in a perfect client? I described him. <laughs> he laughed self-consciously. Tracy swatted him with a napkin. You described the perfect boyfriend, Azzy. I made you tear the list up and start again. Tracy, he makes me feel so valued. And Gabriel had blurted his name out, probably deliberately, as though it were the cheapest currency in the world. Crowley could have picked it up and used it. He hadn't. That had made Aziraphale melt, just a touch. It had added to the excitement of the sex, too, if he were honest. It's okay to feel valued. Tracy said. You need clients like that to keep you going when it feels like too much hard work. All true. Aziraphale recognized the warning signs of a full-blown unprofessional crush, though, and it was worrying. Last night, there had been champagne bubbles in Aziraphale's stomach whenever he'd caught Crowley looking at him. He'd lingered very unprofessionally over the goodbye, too. How many times had he insisted he'd had a lovely time? 
far too many, judging by that final, indulgent smile Crowley had given him. Crowley, who had already pinned him so confidently to that hotel room wall, then paused to ask, Is this all right? It had been more than all right, and had it not been, Aziraphale would have found a way to redirect the action. It was sweet that Crowley cared, though, and it had very much set the pattern for the evening. Crowley obviously knew what he liked in bed, and it had been thoroughly pleasing that the confidence that had bloomed in him their first night together hadn't withered. He'd wanted Aziraphale to like what they did too, though. Aziraphale had every intention of enjoying himself, but admittedly, it was easier to accomplish this when he wasn't the only one responsible for it. Crowley, despite his initial awkwardness, knew his way around the body. He had learned his way around Aziraphale's particular body with surprising speed. Aziraphale had come undone so completely up against that hotel room wall, he'd started swearing and been unable to stop. Not just the occasional fuck, which he knew sounded particularly filthy in his posh voice, but a full stream of muttered, unchecked obscenities that had spurred Crowley on. Aziraphale shivered, remembering Crowley's teeth just behind his ear, the vibration of his voice. Aziraphale had felt it in his back, his own lungs, given how tight they were plastered together. You perfect man. Made to take my cock, weren't you? Crowley breathed, voice gravelly. Fuck yes! Aziraphale bit his lip, cheek pressed to the wall, nails about to leave rents in the Art Deco wallpaper. Each slow thrust was pushing him onto his toes, driving air from between his lips and thoughts from his head. Aziraphale lifted his torso from the wall, half-twisting to capture Crowley's mouth and hide his mortifying inability to engage in the most basic of dirty talk. Crowley's hand curled loosely around Aziraphale's neck, fingertips holding his jaw in place as their lips dragged together. Too good. Too sweet and hot and obscene. Aziraphale gripped Crowley's hair, pulled him closer, tongues fucking lutely, while he fought for some control. Aziraphale had had kinkier sex, more overwhelming sex, he was sure of it. Just not sex with Crowley. Novelty, that's what all this was. Next time it would feel positively mundane. He'd have to bring some toys to keep things fresh. 
the image of Crowley spread out on the bed, a plug stretching his hole, came just as Aziraphale's balls were tugged. The combination sent sparks along his nerves, bursting in flashes of light behind his closed eyelids. You like that? Crowley sounded pleased. Oh, fuck! Was all Aziraphale could manage. Means yes. So fucking smack! Aziraphale clenched his body around Crowley's cock, reaching behind him to grip his arse and direct his movements. Crowley allowed it, delivering another filthy kiss to Aziraphale's gasping mouth. So hot when you swear, sounding all prim and proper as you lose control. Bloody hell! Fucking shit! Fuck! <laughs> Aziraphale laughed. Hmm, just like that. Crowley nuzzled the sensitive spots below Aziraphale's ear. Dirty angel. Aziraphale's laugh turned into a moan at a particularly well-angled thrust. You were expecting... <laughs> Hallelujahs! How hard do I have to pound this tight ass of yours to get those? Aziraphale shoved backwards, using his tight ass to make Crowley move and give him space to bend forward, bracing his forearms on the wall giving him space to breathe, to think, without being so surrounded by Crowley. Aziraphale composed himself as he glanced back over his shoulder. Let me show you. Crowley still couldn't believe Aziraphale's cheek. The cheeks on him either. Having him bent over like after the British Library exhibition was quite possibly the sexiest thing Crowley had ever seen. That was until they'd done it with Aziraphale sitting on the edge of an armchair, legs hooked over the armrests and hands gripping the upholstery behind his head. The reverse cowboy, spreading that glorious, full arse and seeing his own cock slide in and out of Aziraphale's body, seeing his puffed rim stretch to accommodate him, had been Crowley's favourite for a while, too. Right up until last night, after taking Aziraphale to actually see Hamlet at the Globe, no less, and they'd ended up in missionary. Crowley had been able to watch every micro-expression flick across Aziraphale's face. Every flutter of eyelids, every turn of his mouth, every blush as their bodies moved in sync. It had been just over a month. 
Crowley stood under the spray of his shower, letting the hot water pummel the stress of a long day at work from his shoulders and the back of his neck, and wondered whether it was too soon to see Aziraphale again next week. Or Angel, as he was trying very hard to call him everywhere except in the privacy of his own head. Could he afford it? It was too soon, though, surely. Too weird, too desperate to message Aziraphale again today. Crowley nibbled his lip as he got out of the shower. It was becoming an addiction, wasn't it? He needed to ration himself to twice a month. Maybe less, eventually. Crowley pulled on some jogging bottoms and, still with his towel around his neck, slumped onto his sofa and ran his hand through his shower-damp hair. Seeing Aziraphale scratched an itch and had helped Crowley through a dark patch of loneliness, but it couldn't go anywhere. With the benefit of perspective, all it had really done was throw into sharp relief what Crowley did want. Which was something real. Something permanent. The sex was good, great. Refreshing, too, to actually keep discovering someone and have them learn your quirks and kinks in return. Things Crowley had always felt self-conscious about, had bottled up for fear of repulsing people, Aziraphale accepted. He never laughed or looked repulsed, just took them as part of Crowley. Not just in the bedroom, either. There had been that moment before Hamlet at this quaint little bistro on the south bank where Aziraphale had asked the waiter to bring the salad dressing separately because at some stage he had learned and remembered that Crowley hated it when there was too much dressing making the leaves soggy. The memory brought back the shadow of the pleasure he'd felt his heart expanding to press against his ribs. Then Aziraphale had smiled brightly and asked him about his day as though it was nothing, as though that kind of care and consideration were just to be expected. Crowley continued to push buttons on the television remote, searching for something to distract him from his yearning and thought about calling Newt and Anathema. They were happy and coupled up and awful with it, though. Beer would tough love him to tears. Crowley rested his head back against the sofa. Sad wank and whiskey it was then. Then he'd definitely cut Aziraphale down to once a month and spend the free time and money on a dating site for boring old fucks like him. It had just been a particularly frustrating day of lying politicians at work, that was all. Bugger. 
he snagged his phone from the coffee table and called Anathema. I'm in love with my sex worker. Crowley fiddled with a towel around his neck. Good evening to you too, Anathema said. I'm fine, thank you for asking. We can bore ourselves with the niceties if you want. I just thought you'd want to get straight to the part of the conversation where you mock me, Crowley grumbled. Crowley, Anathema sighed. You are not in love with your sex worker. You are just buying into the fantasy because he is very good at his job and you are a sad, lonely stick insect with no one else to make you feel special. I thought bartenders offered sympathy. Firstly, I am a club manager. Secondly, I'm on my break. He heard her shout, Crowley, taking a break, to Newt, and the response of, Hi, Crowley, before the door shut, and Anathema said, So, why do you think you're in love with him? I mean, have you seen him? Sometimes. He comes in to hang out with Tracy a lot. He's a genuinely nice guy, just not my type. I forgot you liked Long and Lanky. I don't like you. Long, limp and lanky. If you want me to hang up, keep talking about the love of my life like that. Crowley blew air out through his teeth and switched off the television, which was becoming annoying. All right, maybe I'm not in love with him, but I want to be. Want to be in love with someone, and he's the only person I've ever felt that way about for a very long time. That's because you never give anyone else the chance. This is the longest romantic relationship I've ever known you to have with someone. And you're paying for it. Not had a lot of time, have I? Crowley shifted uncomfortably. And yet he was nearly forty, so he'd had all that time. Forty years, and okay, he had a nice flat, a job he was good at, that he even enjoyed when it wasn't driving him nuts, but Anna was right. The only relationship he'd had that was longer than the one with Aziraphale was the one with his Bentley. I'm not spreading blame about... Do you think you should stop seeing him? Anathema prompted. I don't want to, but I don't want to mess up what we do have by trampling all over his boundaries. The more Crowley thought about what had happened in the British Library, and the more time he spent with Aziraphale generally, the more he'd found himself towing up against the unspoken lines marked in the sand. There were topics of conversation he'd be gently steered away from, subjects guaranteed to make Aziraphale etch them faster towards the more physical aspects of the evening. Crowley accepted it because it was what he'd signed up for, but he was also frustrated at being kept so politely at arm's length. Even when he was buried 
deep inside Aziraphale's heat and making him beg. There was a barrier there. Anathema's voice jolted him back. Then either see if you can keep seeing him and live with it as just a fantasy, or stop seeing him and see if you can find someone else. You're not going to encourage me to speak my heart in case he loves me too? Is that what you need to hear? No. Stupid to even think it, really. He was Aziraphale's job. I mean, try that if you want, but I'd still stop seeing him in a professional capacity first. Yes. It was all Crowley could say. Aziraphale probably had clients falling in love with him and demanding more free access every week. He was probably irritated beyond belief by it. How well do you know him, Anna? I don't know if I should encourage you. Anathema sounded like she was smiling. I'm not spilling all his secrets. Nah, don't want that. He just wanted something, anything that might give him a glimpse of the man when he wasn't working. When he wasn't always so bloody perfect. Like I said, he's Tracy's friend. They go way back to when he first started dancing at her club. He used to dance. Crowley's body perked up at that. He didn't go to Tracy's for the dancing, but he had caught some of the shows, and the idea of Azira fell up in the lights, moving to the music, made his cock twitch. Have you not seen the photos? Do you have your eyes closed when you come in, Crowley? <laughs> Anathema laughed. Hang on. The door opened again, and heels clicked on the stairs. Crowley was aware that there were photos in some of the corridors. Classy black and whites and softly lit colours, but they were all flesh and feathers and fans. He'd never looked that closely as he was heading to check his coat or nip to the loo before he lost his seat at the bar. Crowley's phone beeped, and he opened the picture. Fuck. Crowley vaguely remembered this one, not that he'd ever really looked at the face, which, in his defense, was half-hidden behind a 1940s-style hat. Enjoy, Anathema said, and then hung up on him. Crowley reached for his whiskey as he zoomed in on the picture. Yes, how was he supposed to know when Aziraphale's face was turned to the side, facing down, barely in the spotlight at all? Only his jaw was really visible. Perfectly acceptable not to know. He should have recognized the chest, though. There was a lot of chest. Only braces to cover that, really, and the bow tie. The bow tie should have given it away, with hindsight. And the thighs! 
The braces were attached to nothing more than hot pants, and Crowley had never wanted to be a chair so much in his life. He wanted those thighs spread over him like that more than breath. Jesus Christ on a cross, there were fishnet stockings in the mix too. Crowley's free hand pushed down his jogging bottoms before he'd even fully processed how hard he was. Fuck, Crowley ground out through clenched teeth. He spat in his hand, too desperate to go and find some lube. Fuck. He jerked himself quickly, as desperate to come as he was for it to be dealt with so he could fully appreciate the extent of how pathetic he was. What music would have been playing? Something probably raunchy and about fifty years old, knowing Aziraphale. Something that would let him be the absolute fucking little tease he was. And Crowley would be in the front row, lapping it up. He imagined getting his hands on Aziraphale's arse, the shiny material of those hot pants slipping beneath his palms as he pulled him forwards so he could lick his abs. Nuzzle his crotch. Oh, Angel, yes, fuck, Aziraphale. The words slipped from his fantasy, the one illicit thing he had. The only real thing. Crowley bent forward as the pleasure pulsed through him, guilt scurrying quickly behind it. As soon as the aftershocks passed, Crowley harnessed the power of whiskey fumes and self-loathing. He set up a profile on a very expensive dating site for lonely professionals who couldn't actually be bothered to date and then took the last of the whiskey to bed. This was a different intern hovering by the door to his office. More clean-cut than the last one, although he was valiantly trying to grow some facial fuzz. Yep. Crowley glanced up. He was working through paperwork for the Archangel's politician case, and the figures were making his eyes hurt. He liked following money, but this was twisting and turning, and even though they suspected where it had come from, things still didn't mesh. We need numbers for the work to be as organizing at Tracy's. Turned out, Crowley wasn't the only one who liked the place. Although Bia, thank God, didn't seem to be as much of a barfly as he was. Bia wants to book a booth. Will you be bringing a plus one? Intern persisted. Crowley pushed his fingers beneath his eyes and rubbed at the bridge of his nose. It was the concentrating that made his eyes so sensitive. He needed to take more breaks. He needed to get rid of intern so he could finish work by five and get to his date. 
his state that wasn't a Xerophel. Sure, yeah, plus one. Why not be optimistic? The intern scurried away. Crowley went back to his spreadsheets and tried to be excited about the evening ahead. So Satan replies, Where do you think you're going to find a lawyer? Crowley deadpanned. You've heard it. Date number one asked, wiping tears of mirth from the corner of his eye. Surprisingly, yes. Crowley could feel the vein throbbing in his temple. Well, nice to meet you. Crowley went home and tried very hard not to call Aziraphale. Or wank to the picture Anathema had sent him. He managed one of those things. All I'm asking is, if my ex does ask for custody of the dog, I'm a criminal lawyer. I'm really not the best person to advise you on family law. Or the parking tickets. Crowley ground his teeth. Date number two looked up, lip trembling. He's my best friend. I can't lose him. Crowley tried to feel sorry for him. He also tried not to wank to the picture of Aziraphale when he got home. This time, he nearly managed it. Plus one for Friday, I hear. Bia poked their head into Crowley's office. We can't wait to meet him. Especially those of us who have a book going on whether he actually exists. He'll exist by Friday, Crowley insisted, still trying to be optimistic. Date number three didn't turn up. Crowley's exhausted body knew the drill. Shoes off, keys in bowl, beer from fridge. Trousers off, phone out. Fuck! Crowley gasped, hips lifting off the sofa. Oh, fuck, yes! He closed his eyes, the image now seared onto the back of his lids. He was never going to be able to use the cloakroom at Tracy's again, not if the original picture hung where he thought it did. His breath was getting shorter, skin slapping disgustingly loud in the silence of his empty flat. He jerked himself harder, imagining the actual, original Aziraphale astride his lap, the fishnets rough beneath his fingertips. Aziraphale would slide off his braces the way he had their first night together. <laughs> Crowley whimpered. Aziraphale, please... 
He bowed forward, stomach muscles clenching as he came, spurting through his fingers as he gasped his release. The quiet crept back in. The space spread out around him in a chill hush. Fuck. It was Friday tomorrow. Aziraphale sat cross-legged on the kitchen floor, eating peanut butter straight from the jar with a teaspoon and wondering how to best start scouring the oven. It needed doing, but it was clearly giving him a rather charred stink eye. His heart wasn't in it, though. His heart was a bruised, shriveled little thing that needed to get a hold of itself. It had been just under two weeks since he'd last seen Crowley. There were lots of reasons clients didn't come back. And Crowley had been busy. He was up to his ears in a legal investigation of MPs, for goodness sake. It was enough of a breaking scandal that even Gabriel had mentioned it, at the board meeting of the charity he had helped Aziraphale and Tracy set up. Yes, think about safe haven. Two years old and providing all the opportunities for homeless children that Aziraphale and Tracy, back in her day, had never had. They needed Gabriel to give it some credibility and political clout, and Gabriel had wanted to be seen doing something obvious for the disenfranchised of his community. God, Gabriel. Aziraphale needed to call Gabriel about whatever ridiculous board matter he'd cooked up now as an excuse to get Aziraphale's attention. It was exhausting living with the suspicion that Gabriel thought the two of them had something special going on, or would have, if only Aziraphale would give up his tawdry life of sin and allow himself to be saved. Aziraphale ate more peanut butter and made himself focus. It didn't matter that Crowley had other things to do, so did Aziraphale. One of the reasons he was getting out of the business was to devote more time to safe haven, to see if he could grow it beyond London and take a proper role in the management of it. And by doing so, make sure Gabriel did less. Aziraphale couldn't do any of that while working late nights and putting all his emotional resources towards escorting. He sucked on the spoon, the sticky spread coating the roof of his mouth. That was his plan. Safe haven and helping Tracy organize and rehearse the dancers at her club as she was progressively losing patience with the youth of today. No need to feel despondent. He had a plan. Right, you. Aziraphale put down the jar, sticking the spoon into the peanut butter. He got up and approached the oven. 
Your time has come. His phone beeped. Work phone. The oven's digital clock smugly told him it was seven minutes past one. Buggeration! Aziraphale snatched up his phone, taking a moment to fool himself. He wasn't lolling about on his yet-to-be-swept kitchen floor, wearing loose shorts and a jumper with a hole in the elbow. No, he was lounging on a balcony, being fed grapes and wearing silk. And not at all licking peanut butter from his thumb. He checked the message. Gabriel. I know you said not to use this number, but I also know you're going to say it. We need to talk. Dinner Friday. Deleting the message unanswered would be rude. And also pointless. Six more would take its place by tea time. Aziraphale compromised by forwarding it to his personal account to deal with later. As he would deal with the feeling of exposure that came with knowing Gabriel had been browsing his website. It was frustrating, but they needed Gabriel. Needed him for the legitimacy he gave to sex workers helping vulnerable children. And as financially comfortable as Aziraphale and Tracy now were, there was never quite enough money to do everything they needed, and Gabriel had the business contacts to help them land the big donations that would help sort out the eternally leaking roof of the Soho building they rented. The problem was, it was feeling more and more like Gabriel expected some sort of quid pro quo for this. It was becoming more and more obvious he was expecting this from Aziraphale specifically. When his phone started ringing, Aziraphale swore. If Gabriel was calling his work line... No, not Gabriel. Hello, Angel speaking. Aziraphale said far too quickly... The words a goopy mess as they fought their way out of his mouth at the same time. Oh, hi, yeah, sorry, it's been a while. It's Crowley. Crowley! Oh God, he sounded like he'd just been invited to prom. Lovely to hear from you again. Aziraphale added in more measured tones. Yeah... Just wondered if you could be free Friday night. Tomorrow. Sorry for the short notice. Let me check my schedule. He was free. Crowley tended to prefer Fridays and Saturdays, and Aziraphale had been keeping at least one free every week. Terrible business decision, but easier now that his regulars were culled back to a very manageable number. I do believe I am free, Crowley, yes. Can you meet me at Tracy's for 7.30? I think you know it. Look, it's... it's a work thing. For me. My work. I need a plus one. Are you sure? Aziraphale swallowed. 
He'd been taken to events before, but big private parties where half the plus ones were in the business. This sounded very much more personal and intimate than that. Yeah, they'll be cool. But we can tell them whatever you're comfortable with. I was rather more concerned with what you'd be comfortable with. Sweet, stupid man. Sure, we can figure something out. And I live in Mayfair, so we could get a hotel, or I thought, well, I'd like to show you where I live. Whatever, though. I mean, I don't want to make it awkward. <laughs> Crowley's voice cracked a bit. Aziraphale's heart was constricting with affection. How could Crowley still be so nervous? How on earth did he survive a courtroom? If you'd like to show me, then of course. May I have the address? Aziraphale would be honoured, really. And he would not think about why he wanted to go to Crowley's flat too closely or admit that sooner or later he would need to let Crowley go too. Probably sooner, before he fell any more in love with the ridiculous man.